What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Wild Card Edition of the DFS MVP. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com, with my new co-host, Ryan Noonan. If you've been following 444 um, all season, then you probably know Ryan as the sports betting manager at 444. He's also the host of the Move the Line podcast, but he is also a DFS aficionado, and he'll be getting us through the playoffs this year. Uh, Ryan, what's up? How you doing? And uh, what's going on over in the uh, 444 betting universe right now? What's going on, Teach Man? I was telling you before we got going here. Uh, I tweeted it out earlier today. Like I, you know, I know that I've been part of the entity that is four for four for a couple of years now, and I'm yeah, honored man. to do so. But I, I, when I first got into, man, I think it was even Draft Street at the time. I, I don't even yeah. know when I first started playing DFS. Uh, one of the first pods I listened to was uh, you and Raybon back in the day here on the MVP. So again, even though, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm in these streets here at 444, <laughs> being a part of the MVP is a big deal. And I'm uh, stoked to be here and rock the playoffs with you. So, uh, yeah, betting side's awesome, man. I'm excited with the betting, all we got going on. So if folks haven't checked that out, you need to do so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you mentioned draft street. I mean, we go all the way. This is, um, this is season seven of DFS MVP. So we got some, uh, we got some, some, uh, years on us, but, uh, what is going on over in the sports betting world? Obviously everyone's here for, uh, you know, DFS, but, uh, it, you know, there's uh, a lot more to action to be had if you are in a state with, um, legal betting, even outside of, of NFL. So what do you guys got cooking over there right now? Yeah. The, uh, NBA streets are popping. Uh, we have a uh, article up every week, mostly props, right? So like yep. size and totals, even on the move of the line shows, we don't spend a ton of time getting into sides and totals because yeah. they're as efficient as anything out there. So we spend <laughs> yeah, a ton of time sure. on props, right? We want to leverage yep. Paulson and all that he does yep. from a projection standpoint. So we try to do that on the prop side of the NBA. Uh, so our discord is popping. Really yes. proud of that. Um, golf, we started last year when I came on here uh, full time and uh, golf really works really well, uh, not only against the schedule that we have for football, it's kind of have the same mindset where you have a couple days of prep for like mm-hmm. the start of an event. Uh, and then you can, you can bet it individually for round yep. by rounds. We have DFS there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a big golf project on the back end that I'm excited to hopefully be able to talk about soon, but uh, should be live if you were a golf fan before the masters. So stick around and hang out for that it is going to be, Really exciting. And we're still doing move the line. We still have two shows yep. a week. Uh, we have the game by game breakdown and prop drops all the way through the Super Bowl. So uh, really stoked about all the plans moving forward. We have some new sports we're going to dabble in here in a few uh, months as well. Uh, again, just trying to keep your thirst out there when football goes away. Yeah, I mean, every year I have uh, vowed to myself that once football ends, I'm going to uh, become a a pga dfs pro and and every year i i fire at the masters and that's about it but now with uh with four for four really getting into the the golf side of things and and to uh um to a bigger extent bet spurts as, as well um our our parent company will have a, a ton of golf content and it's really the best way to um, maximize your four for four subscription if you haven't signed up yet uh the rest of season dfs prices drop down to 24 dollars uh we're going through the super bowl so still a lot of slates that you could hit there and then the betting uh 44 as ryan said multiple sports now um pga just getting rolling and i mean pga whether you're you're betting props or or playing dfs is 
I mean, I would argue it's the best sweat of any sport. Um, it's yeah. just an awesome way to sweat. Um, and it's, it's just really, really fun. Uh, you get that four day sweat and it's just so, so much changes shot to shot. It's, it's really good. And as you mentioned that discord, especially with player props, like you and, and Connor Allen are firing off so much info in there. Um, but the thing about props is they move really quickly. They'll take them down really quickly. And if we're sharp guys like, like you and Connor are firing at them, um, you want to be in that discord. So make sure you sign up for one of the subs. Um, so you do have access to that betting discord. Um, you know, when, once we get our, um, our, our stuff together in California and we get our legal betting, I will be up in there, but I'm just sitting on the sidelines waiting right now. But, uh, if you, if you do listen to DFS MVP regularly, um, this show will be quite different. Obviously, the slates for playoffs um it's just a different animal we're not playing full slates uh two separate main slates one saturday one sunday so the format throughout the playoffs will be game by game uh rather than just our favorite values we will talk about how we want to approach the chalk players in that game the contrarian plays and we'll give you a little wrap up of each slate at the end so little different format but i think this is the best way to do it so let's hop right into it the saturday slate is a two-game slate kicking off with the Raiders at the Bengals. Um, I believe the over-under in this one has actually moved. It was at 49. Let me double-check that real quick. I, th I think it moved down a little bit today, um, but the Raiders are still underdogs by 5.5 points. Uh, the Bengals out are favored by 5.5 points, obviously. So, Oh, yeah, that, that line's still 48.5, so it didn't move too much. Um, Raiders with a 21.5 uh, point implied point total. The Bengals with a 27 point implied point total and if you've been on four for four you will have seen that we do have um ownership projections up for both slates so if you're, if you're looking at the ownership projections even though they all show up um, the same across all all of your uh your lineup uh, generators those lineup those ownership projections are for the saturday slate specifically and the sunday slates specifically so on these two game slates we're like we're gonna have crazy ownership projections so yeah. the chalk players we got Mixon and Jacobs. I mean, they're going to be used at least in 60% of lineups in large field stuff. And, and then to a lesser degree, Burrow will be the second most popular quarterback in the slate. Higgins Chase will be popular with Burrow. Um, Waller Renfro will be super popular. And then Zay Jones will be very popular on DraftKings because he's so cheap to a lesser extent on FanDuel. So, um, you know, if you want to say anything in general about this game, go ahead. If not, what chalk are you liking in this game? You had a really good breakdown about uh, this game today and, and some really good points about it. Thanks, Teach. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to be a good one. I mean, I, I think if we – this is weird, too. We have you know six playoff games, and five of them are rematches, which is not something we yeah, typically see. Uh, so we do have a little bit to go off of. Again, you know, we don't want to be making a ton off of yeah. you know one-game samples. But you know, the interesting thing with the Cincinnati side – and I, I think Mixon is really good chalk, right? So, like, yeah. early in the season, we were all really disappointed because we were expecting the Bengals to come out and be this – pass centric offense and they kind of were last year right when Mixon mm -hmm. was upright they were throwing a ton we add Jamar Chase we're all excited for all the bells and whistles here and they come out and they're pretty balanced and even run heavy and I think yeah. that was probably to be smart to manage Burrow and then as the season went along heading into their bye week around you know week seven week eight they really started to ramp up their pass rate over expectation mm -hmm. so then they come out of the bye in week 11 against the Raiders and everyone's thinking wheels up and it's just all Joe Mixon, 30 yeah. carries, 123 yards, two scores. Uh, you know, they barely threw anything with, it was one of Burroughs uh, worst games from a statistical standpoint all season. He played well, 
uh, like from a completion percentage over expectation standpoint, he performed well, but they just, there wasn't the volume and that's what we care about on DFS, uh, the DFS yeah. side. So I still think that it makes sense for them to go back there. That is probably their weakness, right? They are 30th yeah. in pass block win rates and the Raiders rush only four, uh, almost exclusively more than any other team in the league. Yet there's still a top seven unit in pressure. So to really mitigate that, I think that they lean on Mixon, especially early in neutral mm-hmm. situations. So, it's one of those spots where, like, yeah, 60% is heavy. It's a two-game slate, though, so it's almost a spot where you. I'm almost comfortable just trying to get ahead of the field and making him almost a lock button uh, in that spot. Yeah, I think in, um, like, smaller field uh, single-entry stuff, I, I it's really hard on a slate like this to pass up the chalk running backs. Um, yeah. You know, especially on, on FanDuel where running backs are, are just better scorers. Uh, you know, whether or not you want to use a third running back is up for debate on this two-game slate. Um, I think it's a little more cut and dry in the three-game slate. But I, I think Mixon and Jacobs are just very obvious plays that you really need to to um, to lean into. Like if you're, if you're building, say, if you're playing a 150 max contest, I could really see um, being really overweight on them. Like the tough thing about the good chalk, bad chalk discussion on a two-game slate is that I, I do think they are the great chalk, both of them um, mixing to, to a greater extent than Jacobs. The, the, the issue is I, I think we need to focus on like we're building around um, game scripts a lot more than we are our values, especially if you're trying to separate. So if I am really leaning on like say a very heavy bills stack i think it makes a lot of sense to just differentiate with the bills and play Mixon and jacobs um i i think if i'm going for the passing games and and hoping for a shootout hoping that that 48 they go over that 48 and a half points um i i like higgins and waller a bit more i mean you talked about in your article today how it's just such a um, a crapshoot with the pass catchers on the Bengals, and I agree. But Higgins is a really good value on both sides. We still need to open up some value, and then it's a really bad tight end slate, and Waller's just head For and sure. shoulders above the field. So I, I I think Waller's pretty good chalk. The big thing about this game is the weather concerns. Um, it just depends. It's going to be cold. How cold that that doesn't matter a ton. Like I like I don't think it's going to be like zero degrees. I'm looking at NFLweather.com right now. It says 33 uh, degrees with nine mile per hour winds. If that is kickoff, um, if, if that's the forecast at kickoff, I'm fine targeting the passing games there. Um, obviously, the wind is the thing that can change. If it gets up to like maybe 20 miles per hour, then we start getting concerned. Um, I think Zay Jones is probably the worst chalk on this slate. I mean, I know he's been getting a ton of volume, but like, when you really need to separate from the field on a two game slate and just get really creative, I know you need to save salary, but this isn't like saving salary, you know, with a guy that is the clear number one Waller's back. Now he didn't have a big game last week, but his utilization was up there. Renfro's going to be the number one. So, I mean, you're, going to be eating the chalk on a guy sure his targets have been up but who's basically the wide receiver three if we include wall if we make wall de facto one on mm-hmm. a team where car just hasn't put up monster numbers now if you're playing a, a heavy car stack like sure play zay jones but like to just play him as a one-off and eat the chalk I, ju- I just don't think it's a good idea yeah i agree with that too i mean it was an egregious misprice on DraftKings' parts but yeah. like you said i mean the the snaps and targets are encouraging but like there's still Brian Edwards to mix in. I mean, there's barely anything to be said for Deshaun Jackson these days. You know, he's, he was barely involved at all uh, running some wind sprints on Sunday night against the Chargers. But, like, 
I don't know. Zay Jones at the end of the day is someone that when you know you're looking at 30% to above Zay Jones as a one of the only value plays in the slate, uh, I think that there is an easy way to to cross them off. Um, the Jacobs thing is interesting. So I agree with you because, again, two-game slate, we don't have a lot of choices. But I think it was interesting to see Jalen Richard come back last week and yeah. – handle a little bit more of the passing game stuff. Like, so the appeal of Jacobs has been the spike in passing game work since Kenyon Drake went down and Jacobs can still see decent pass game work on early downs, mm-hmm. which is, which is nice. But like if he's going to lose all the long down and distance stuff, all the two minute stuff, and this is like a really heavy mixing game where the Bengals get up, uh, that is really difficult in the second half for Jacobs to get there. You're probably going to need a touchdown. So again, I wish that he was in the third game or the three game slate where there's just more dudes. Uh, but yeah. There are definitely holes, I think, in Jacobson compared to Mixon. I think that, you know, when you're looking at those guys, I think he, you know, Mixon is definitely the way to go. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, just going back to that Zay Jones point, I mean, right now, and again, this is specific to DraftKings. I don't think he'll be quite as popular on FanDuel, but we have him projected to be in more lineups than Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill. I know Tyreek's banged up. C.D. Lamb, Debo Samuel, Amari Cooper, Gabe yeah. Davis, Deontay Johnson, um, Devontae Smith. Basically, everybody except for Higgins, Chase, Evans, and Renfro. So, like, all of those guys are just so, so much more liable to break the slate, in my opinion. I know we're talking about salary here, but you can get Gabe Davis at basically half ownership for only $400 more. Um, It just seems like a no-brainer to fade to me. So, on that note, um, obviously, you know, we're going to have to try to get unique um, in a lot of ways. Are there any contrarian plays in this game that stand out to you? I I think it's a tough game for contrarian plays, but I think there's a couple. I think it is too. I think Tyler Boyd is interesting. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you highlighted Chase and Higgins, and I think they are kind of the alphas here. Yeah. Uh, and Boyd's been disappointing. I mean, he really hasn't many had many spike games, but the Raiders play a ton of zone cover three. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can attack that over the middle. Uh, you know, a friend of the show, John Daigle, has pointed that out in a lot of his stuff this week. And surprisingly, when you think about the Raiders – just from a talent standpoint defensively in the back half, they do not have a ton, but they've allowed the fifth fewest explosive pass plays on the season. So they've been able to limit some of the stuff over the top that we would profile Higgins and Chase getting. So Boyd underneath makes a lot of sense. You can make the same case for CJ Uzoma. Yep. Uh, again, the only you know pass catcher that I think is going to be pretty low owned. And he's actually the only of these pass catchers on the Bengals side that has seen a high, higher target share against zone than man. Uh, so that kind of works well for him. And like you said, it's it's an easy way to get off a of Waller, who is, I think, also good chalk. But again, is going to be massively, massively owned. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of trying to think about um, whether I'm thinking about chalk or contrarian plays. On these slates, I'm just thinking about like how are they fitting into my build. So I think if I am stacking with um, with Joe Burrow, I think yep. Zoma makes a ton of sense um, just because he's massive, massive leverage off of Waller. He's he's basically touchdown or bust, but so are all the other tight ends on the slate, not Waller. So if Waller doesn't score and any of these other tight ends do, like you're you're in really good shape. Um, I think just car stacks in general are going to be very contrarian. And when I say car stacks, I mean again we only have a two game slate, so I'm talking about like a Raiders onslaught and bringing back two, maybe even three Bengals pass catchers, throwing in a running back if you want, but just like going all in on this game and having Carr, I think is going to be somewhat unique. Um, and then another one, I, I think that. Raiders pass rush is really good and Bengals yeah. offensive line is really bad. So I think just a contrarian way to approach the game is just to be really light on this game and play the Raiders defense. I think, I, I think that's a really fun uh, way to, to approach it too. Oh, it's a great look. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so with, with all that said, like how obviously, you know, we can make an argument for literally any game script in any game on a two game or three game slate. Like you can just, you just can, but like, how are you most likely to approach this game? Yeah. Just loading up and being completely overweight on Mixon, uh, mm-hmm. hoping that the Bengals roll. Like, uh, I think they probably can, you know, he's another guy that he can get there. His early down passing game work has been encouraging too. So a little less script dependent than Jacob says, as we were talking about earlier. So, uh, and then maybe just avoiding, because again, if we have a, a, a you know replay of what we saw in week 11, I want to be a little bit underweight on, on Burrow and the, and the uh, you know, yeah, receivers too, here. So yeah, kind of my I, approach. I agree. I mean, I think, I think I'm, I'm most likely to be underweight on the Bengals passing game on, on this slate. Um, I mean, on a full slate, I, I, I tend to play some higher, higher stakes, like small field stuff. So it's a little different than like playing a millionaire, but even on a full slate, I lean into game stacks more probably than the average player. So on a two game slate, I'm just going to do it all the time. Like I'm just never, I'm just not going to middle it and try to get like half my players from this game, half my players from other and try to hit perfect. I'm either just, I'm going like heavy into these game scenarios. So I'm building for like a low scoring Raiders win um, with like, like I think, I agree with Mixon. You can still play the Raiders defense against Mixon. Like you're gonna have For to sure. like a lot of times on these small slates, you're gonna play a player versus a defense they're playing, just the way it is, and, and it's fine. Um, and I think they can get there that way. So like a double running back with Raiders defense, I think is okay. Um, or a shootout with um with Carr. I I think um as my quarterback, I think those are the two ways I'm most likely to play it. Yep, I like it. Uh, moving on. Night game, Patriots at Bills, over-unders at 44. Um, Patriots um, are four-point underdogs projected for 20 points. Bills, four-point favorites, projected for 24. Um, not a, lo- a lot of the chalk is going to come early just because this game is going to be lower scoring, but Josh Allen is going to be crazy chalk. Stephon Diggs is his best pass catcher. Devin Singletary will come along by default, and then the Bills defense. We just don't have a lot of chalk on the Patriots' side. That makes sense. Only projected for 20 points. Um, should be really cold, but I don't think we have any major wind concerns. Right now I'm seeing 5 degrees um, with a 5-mile-per-hour wind. It's not going to be a repeat of of what we saw where Mac Jones throws it three times, especially after we saw Josh Allen um, you know, go for, what was it? 303 in their final game against the Patriots. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know if, if he can replicate that bill Belichick obviously is going to make some kind of adjustments and playoff football is just different. Um, but, but, um, how do you see this play, this game playing out and what chalk do you like? I was maybe one of the best quarterback games I think I've seen all season yeah. uh, in that, that game. Yeah, game that was, England. it was crazy. He was unbelievable. That was kind of what I think we had been waiting for. And we had seen at times last year. Uh, I know that that was, that's uh, your boy, but like he, <laughs> yeah. he showed out uh, in that game, yeah. and you know they were kind of special on third down. I think to your point, it's really hard to replicate that. New England on the other side really struggled on third down, so it, there's some of those things that are just going to even themselves out. But like, I don't know, man. I, Josh Allen is like just kind of an autoplay for me. Like, yeah. I, I there's really no one when you kind of think of the statues that we have on the slate. There's really no rushing upside to any of these dudes, and exactly. then we have Allen that offers almost a 50 yard floor has all the like red zone touchdown equity that you would want. Mm-hmm. want. And then, you know, kind of, we were discussing earlier, some of the stuff around these situations where games that matter, big games and playoffs in particular, where you have these quarterbacks that are uh, prone to run will run a little bit more. So if you look at yep. those weeks leading up to the playoffs here, week 16 and 17, Buffalo needed those games. They need to solidify their seating. They need to wrap up the AFC East. 
He ran 15 and 12 times in those two games. That's a, like a design run rate of 32%, mm-hmm. which is almost double his season mark of 17. And there were a couple other big games on their schedule this year as well at Kansas City and at Tampa. And he ran 11 times and 12 times in those two games. So we're going to see a lot of Josh Allen running. If he does anything that resembles what he did from a passing standpoint last game, you just need to have him. We can discuss kind of how you stack him, but he is uh, almost a must. If, you know, even if this game is low scoring where, you know, they they stay in the 21, 24 range, he does so much with his legs. It's unaccounted for from a scoring standpoint. You have to have him. Yeah. I I think all the chalk in this game is good. Alan Singletary Diggs, and Bill's defense are all um, fine, fine plays depending on how you're building. Um, I I, I think just looking at this game, what we have to consider probably the, the most unlikely scenario is Patriots win a high scoring game, right? Like if bills get up big, um, it's like Patriots just aren't coming back. Like we saw in the, in the last game, if it is a close game, most likely it's a lowish scoring game. Like, like it's projected to be, um, with Belichick doing his thing and then it could go either way. But my point is I'm either, um, like Allen, um, like you're, you're, you're leaning into heavy stacks, like, or you can just like single, single him, um, and, and, and still stack the game early, but we'll get back. To, we'll get to how we're approaching the game. But my point is like, I think Allen is just the best chalk on the slate, you know, on only four quarterbacks to choose from. So, um, you know, you can really eat the chalk, um, on a play like that. Yep. Uh, so yeah, for me, Allen is the best play on the slate. Uh, h- how do you get unique on this slate? I think it's a, it's an interesting one. Yeah, no, I like, I like the, the, the contrarian plays here. Yeah. No one wants to play any Patriots. Right. I mean, mm. uh, cause like you said, we're no expectations. It's really hard to, you know, pinpoint any receiving options from them, but, you know, and the running backs, they're using three dudes, right? We got Damian Harris, uh, yeah. you know, Ramondre Stevenson and Brandon Bolden's been mixing in, but I like Damian Harris quite a bit. If he's going to be contrarian, I think there's some, uh, some matchups here that I think Belichick will take advantage of. When you look at from weeks one through 12, the bills had the top run defense in the league from an EPA standpoint. And then Tredavious white went down and you wouldn't think that he has a massive impact on the running game. But when you look at what they did schematically since is they've gone to a lot of nickel and dime packages. So they've, throwing more defensive backs on the field to kind of make up for the loss of white. And since that's happened, they are 27th in EPA against uh, the run. So they are easier to run off of. They've gone from, you know, less traditional base packages defensively and throwing more of the 185 pound dude that can cover out there and they're getting run all over. So we saw even in limited fashion in that game where, you know, Mac didn't throw it all, you know, there's a little bit of a hammy. It's kind of where the hammy stuff started for Harris. He ran for 11 times for hundred yards, mm-hmm. uh, ran for, I think 111, three scores the last time they met. So again, like I think that they like Stevenson, they want to get him involved, but I think in this spot, uh, we still see Harris more around the goal line. So he's going to have still a lot of early down stuff. And I think he is kind of more apt to be the touchdown guy. So again, if we're dealing with, Singletary, we're dealing with Mixon, we're dealing with Jacobs, and no one wants to touch the Patriots running backs. I think uh, Harris makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like I like Harris too. I mean, the thing that worries me about this backfield now is they're they're back to a possible three headed monster with sure. Brandon Bolden getting worked in. Um, like I I I wish. Bolden wasn't getting worked in because I think uh, if you're playing like the the Millie or something like that, I actually think Ramondre Stevenson would have been a very interesting play. But I think Bolden probably hurts Stevenson more than it hurts um, Damian Harris. So yeah, against the Bills run defense, we know Bill Belichick's going to take advantage of that. Again, Mac Jones isn't going to throw three times, but like maybe if it's close, like maybe he throws twenty times at the most if yeah. they keep the game close. So that would be a, a big day for Harris. Um, so I, I think you you can include Harris in Bills stacks. Um, 
on if you're stacking the the bills, my favorite ways to get unique are Gabe Davis and, and Dawson Knox. Again, touchdown or bust at tight end. Tight end just super weak after Waller, so just you know, uh, plug and pray for for Knox. <laughs> and then Gabe Davis, I think he's going to be. We have him a little bit over twenty percent now with with Manny Sanders looking like he's going to play. I think it could be under twenty percent. So I like Gabe Davis there a lot. And then um, again, Hunter Henry. Uh, like we don't know who the hell is going to catch the ball for the Patriots. They're probably not going to throw a ton very unlikely anybody's gonna get like 10 targets and go for 100 yards so yeah chase that touchdown um with henry yeah these are the best two by far from like a dvo dvoa standpoint mm-hmm. uh defenses against tight ends like the patriots yeah. have allowed yeah. like 28 yards per game so to your point like the last game Allen was running in for a rushing touchdown and just kind of flipped it to knox for a touchdown yeah. so like yeah. that's it that's where all you need in the slate especially if you are even if he gets 20 yards in the score that's going to be okay. It probably doesn't kill you unless Waller has a, a, a crazy game. But yeah. again, like that, a touchdown is, is all we need. And uh, that's kind of an easy way to get it. And a nice, easy match with, with Allen. Yeah. So um, with, with all that, like what's your favorite way to approach this game and then wrapping it all up? Um, how are you most likely to, to build for this slate? Yeah. Overweight on Allen. Uh, and again, I think the discussion with Stefan Diggs is interesting because you figure Every, I don't know, I would say probably what 75, 80% of digs are going to be stacks with Allen. So mm-hmm. like he's going to be really, he just seems like a bad onesie play. Like if you were, right. if you know, you're stacking some of the, you know, the other game, you know, you, do, you don't work digs in here at all. You spend up on the Cincy receivers or yeah. um, someone in the other game. So uh, I mean, I'm interested to see what the Manny saying. Like Manny was dusty before he even went down. I know. And it's rough. Uh, he's going to be like significantly uh, less owned than the other guys. So Gabe Davis stuff is interesting. He was kind of a target hog, even trending upward with Davis in there. So, or with Sanders in there. So he definitely is appealing. Sometimes they just are off. Like it was stunning, like 14 targets. He had three catches last week, which is, I'm, I'm just bitter. I had a, a Gabe Davis over 39 and a half receiving yards and he managed to parlay 14 targets into exactly 39 yards. So died by the hook on 14 <laughs> targets, which is yeah. just wild. But uh, yeah, his touchdown equity is nice too. So I think he'd probably, probably be my preferred play uh, in Allen stacks to get off of digs. But uh, I think an interesting way is Singletary. Uh, he yeah. is kind of, stacking him with Allen because I don't think people mm-hmm. are going to do that. And he started to get a little bit more of that passing game work. You're just kind of hoping that between the two of them, they get all the touchdowns. Uh, you know, Allen gets a couple on the ground, maybe throws a screen pass to Singletary. Again, we're trying to get really cute here on a two gamer to get unique. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're just trying to soak up all the Buffalo touchdowns with those two guys. Yeah. Um, I, I think what I'm, I'm most likely to do is, um, is some kind of Bills onslaught. And I mean, an onslaught with the Bills is going to be different than an onslaught with the Raiders or the Bengals because yeah. um, you have to factor in Josh Allen's um, rushing ability. So, like, I don't know if I could, like, if I'm ever going to to triple um, Josh Allen. I mean, maybe maybe you just really got to, you know, have some huevos and do it because it is a two-game slate. It just, it's like they need to just hit so perfect. And, like, they need to drop, like, 40-plus for, for Allen to be able to cover um, a triple. Like, unless, and again, unless you are including Singletary in it, um, it's just really hard to justify. I think I'm, I'm more likely to do, like, a, a Josh Allen double and bring back either Damian or... Um, uh, or Hunter Henry, mm-hmm. um, or or just like going light on this game and just playing like the both of the running backs, Harrison and um, 
Harris and Singletary in like a, a very heavy Bengals Raiders build. Um, so those are the two ways I'm, I'm kind of uh, approaching. I, I think overall, I'm probably most likely to go very heavy on the Bills passing game or as heavy as I'm comfortable going and then just trying to get really contrarian with the running games in the Cincy um, Las Vegas game. Yeah, I like that. It's it's tough. Like you said, you have to yeah, you have to be perfect on the way that the Bills yeah. are gonna land on a stack going heavy with them. But like we're talking about a two gamer yeah. and you almost have to be perfect in a lot of instances anyway, because uh it's just tricky. Yeah, I, I made a note on on Twitter yesterday um, about these two game slates and, and the last like big two. There, there's a lot of two game slates every week, but they're they're very small contests. Um, on Christmas, we had a DraftKings Millionaire with only a, a two game slate. Um, Twenty one thousand three hundred seventeen lineups cashed. There were only one thousand and eighty seven unique scores. That doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, that all those lineups are dupe, but most likely they are. True. And on, and out of those one thousand eighty seven unique scores, only one hundred seventy nine weren't duped. So you wow. really, if you're playing the millionaire or anything more than like a couple thousand entries, you need to go way out of your way to be unique. If you build a lineup that you feel like is good, that you're stacking, but you're using all of the salary, uh, that lineup's probably going to be duped. So if you're really playing for first place you need to have lineups where you're leaving one thousand dollars plus on the table and it might look a little bit ugly and, and feel a little bit off but it's just really hard to separate on a two-game slate like just a three-game slate alone you have exponentially more builds and you could be more creative on a two-game slate in a classic uh, salary structure i think the best thing to do to separate from the field is to, like leave one thousand plus on the table um otherwise you're just really running into a likelihood of being duped yeah, if you feel really good when you're hitting submit, you need to stop what you're doing because there's no chance yeah, yeah. everyone in the, someone else landed on, on that. Yeah, if sure, you right? if you like your lineup this weekend, um, start yeah. over. Yeah, start over. <laughs> All right, let's hop on over to uh, the Sunday slate three gamer. As I mentioned, you could play this a, a little bit closer to like a main slate build, but I still think it's a really good idea just to lean heavy into some uh, game script narratives. Things are kicking off with the Eagles at Buccaneers. A lot of questions all of a sudden go into this one. Over under at 46, Eagles 8.5 point underdogs with a total of just 18.75 Buccaneers favored with a total of 27.25. Two big things we're looking at at this game. Is wind going to be a concern right now? It, look, we have um, 20, 20 mile per hour expected winds. Mm -hmm. uh, that is dangerous. And then Fournette, we're waiting on the news for Fournette. It's Friday, so we if he is healthy if we get news tomorrow that he's a go he'll, he will be very popular as things stand right now we have our chalk plays tom brady should be popular-ish um, and then fournette evans buck defense dallas goddard are very popular i have gronk question mark just because this is such a good tight end slate i i, I think that depending on what tournament you're playing and what size it is we can see um we can see ownership between Grant Kittle and Kelsey kind of really flip flop all around, um, even vary from tournament to tournament. But Goddard will be uh, a very heavy chalk. So, what chalk do you like from this game? Yeah, I do like Gronk um, because, like you said, I think it is a really loaded tight end slate. Yeah. But uh, the Eagles have been kind of a sieve defensively. They have tightened it up a little bit, but they've allowed mm -hmm. the third most targets to tight ends per game this season at 8.1, playing a lot of soft, deep zone, really trying to limit stuff. And they have really poor safeties and outside linebackers in coverage. So uh, Gronk actually missed the week six matchup. Again, this is another mm -hmm. rematch that we saw this season. 
but that was actually the only time we saw a pulse all season from OJ Howard. He caught six balls <laughs> yeah. uh, for seven, seven targets in that one. So it's a nice spot. Again, we know all the issues going on on the Tampa side from a wide receiver perspective without Chris Godwin, without yep. Antonio Brown. So like, I think in this spot where again, some of the lower a dot stuff over the middle of the Gronk might work in a situation where we're dealing with rain and heavy yep. winds too, right. Versus pushing, sideline stuff out against Darius Slay and Mike Evans Gronk over the middle feels a lot safer. So, yeah, I mean, I think the interesting news here is definitely the Fournette thing uh, because he, his price is, is kind of egregious considering his role before he went down. Uh, that's the big one to watch, but I'm okay with Gronk compared to some of the other tight ends here. Yeah. As we talk through the slate, you'll see that I, I really like this game. So there, I, I really like, I think this all the chalk in this game um, is quite good. The, I think the shakiest one is Brady. One, because it's just a really strong um, quarterback slate. Two, because he doesn't run um, and the win concerns. But like Fournette, Evans, and Gronk can, can get there. Uh, maybe not all together, but they have passed to get there without Brady having a huge game. Obviously, the Bucks being favored by eight and a half make them pretty good chalk. And then Goddard's just a, a crazy value. I, I think... Um, as a standalone play, I think it's very good chalk. I think he is. I think you can make a lot of arguments to fade him because the slate is so strong at the position. So kind of waffling on on Goddard, just depending on my build. But I think if Fournette plays, Evans and Gronk are very good plays because Fournette will give them the ability to move the ball. They're still going to take their shots. Like they're not just going to like. They're, sure. they're not going to just only dink and dunk. They're not just going to hand it off 40 times. That's just not what Brady and Arians are going to do. Um, it'll affect some of the efficiency of it, but I, I think they should still be fine in terms of being able to, to uh, push the ball and get pushed. Like I, I think the Eagles can actually um, can, can push the, the bucks a little bit, but I, I like them. Um, I, I like most of the chalk plays in this game. Um, and I think there's some really good contrarian plays, but before I get to mine, which ones do you like? What about Miles Sanders? Um, Ooh, let's go. I mean, no one's going to play Miles Sanders, right? He, they, another, there's another spot where we're using multiple running backs. Um, everyone has the perception that the Bucks have this just unstoppable run defense, and it's solid, but it's, it's, it's not great. Uh, it's kind of yeah. been middle of the pack, really, for the back half of the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, he actually ran really well in the first time that they yep. met. But again, that was kind of the time where everyone was banging on Sirianni for really not running the ball or not getting Sanders involved. So, you know, he, he has the ability to get involved in the passing game. This is just a kind of a slate-breaking guy where if you're looking for a spot to stack a game, he has the ability to break big plays, mm -hmm. right? And that kind of flips this one in a big, big way where all of a sudden, okay, now we're forcing Brady to throw a little bit more that just kind of changes the nature of this game. Yep. So um, I think that Miles Sanders is probably one of the best contrarian plays of the weekend. Yeah, I um, I am overly enamored with both Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. Jalen Hurts is probably my favorite play on the slate because I actually think this is kind of a bad line. I think it might be actually the worst line on the slate. I, I think the Eagles can keep this game kind of close. It's a Brady um, in the playoffs line, right? I mean, yeah, no, for sure. For yeah. sure. I mean, that, that that's the thing about playoff um, lines, especially like with big name teams. I think you have to take them with a grain of salt over um, our, our regular season because these games are 
are getting betting are getting bet a lot more. So I, I do think there are some lines where Brady's type uh, um, plays or like Packers type plays. I think they will get a couple extra points just because the public will bet those names so heavily. There's just so much more attention on these games um, that that we could get some some bad lines sometimes. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. And the thing I love about Hertz is he doesn't really need to care about the weather. He can be the QB one on the slate because of his legs. He doesn't yeah. need to throw for 250 and three to have a ceiling game. He, the, the Buccaneers are vulnerable enough in the secondary where he can do what he needs to do through the air to have a ceiling game, but he can get there with his legs. And on such a short slate, you can get a sub 20% quarterback that can separate from the field. We just, when there's 12 games, it's hard for a quarterback to separate. It just doesn't happen. On this slate, I think it can happen. And pairing him and Miles Sanders together, I think, is um, an extremely contrarian way um, to to approach this game. Um, original co-host Chris Raybon for Action Network wrote a big article about like every team's weakness. And you mentioned the Buccaneers' uh, run defense. Everybody says how great they are. They give up a ton of explosive runs. That's what Chris pointed out. One of the worst teams in the league in terms of allowing the explosive runs. So Sanders and Hurts, that obviously plays into them. And then if you are going to stack Hurts or, or play Hurts, um, you get a lot of leverage with playing either Sanders or Devontae Smith over Goddard because if Fournette plays, Goddard is um, you know, probably the second most popular player on the slate. If Fournette's out, Goddard might be the most used player on the slate on both sites, save maybe Najee Harris. Um, but the point remains, like, there's just a ton of leverage there with his teammates. And then on the Buccaneers side, if Fournette plays, we know the touches are going to be crazy concentrated between him and Evans and Gronk. Um, yeah. But... If Perriman is active, he'll probably play most of the uh, snaps on the outside. Uh, Cyril Grayson is out, um, and, and Tyler Johnson basically only plays the slot. So if it's Perriman's active, I like him as an addition to game stacks. If he's out, Scotty Miller, you can plug in there as a really deep dart throw as well. Yeah, I love to hear that you're on the Eagles because I think that is something that people yeah. don't want, right? We just, we just they're they're hard to. They're hard to stack in a way. They yeah. we have too many running backs. Um, you know the Goddard stuff looks nice because his, you know his usage is his high, but like it's on such low volume all the time, right? And then yeah, um, yeah, I like it quite a bit. I think this weather is going to keep people away. I think you're going to have some some nice when things flip over on Sunday. I think you're going to like what you see. So are, are we in agreement that our favorite way um, to stack this game is to to lean into the Eagles? Um, and I think you could bring back whatever. Um, Buccaneers you want maybe even two of them uh, but I, I think the best way to approach this game is to lean into the, the running game for the Eagles yeah because I think when you see uh Hertz too I think a lot of Hertz stacks will draw Goddard naturally yep, um, so I think exactly. going with Miles Sanders and Hertz is interesting and then that's another spot where if you wanted uh you know if you want to bring something back I think that's a contrarian way to do so is having Gronk involved in that mm -hmm. because I think you're going to see a lot of Goddard involved with Hertz so yeah, uh, I, yeah I like it I'm very much in agreement with that. I, I will say if you are um, playing this game in any capacity, I think it's really important that you do include some kind of Miles Sanders, Brashad Perriman, Scotty Miller play because with the three-game slate, um, late swap is huge. So to have those contrarian plays in the first game yeah, and get the cool. information on how your contrarian plays do will give you a huge information advantage on the field. If they hit, if if Miles Sanders goes crazy at, at 10% or Brashad Perriman goes crazy, crazy at 7%, now you have all this information of where you stand and you can start really like moving your lineup around and playing these, leaning into these chalk players later um, in the game. So... 
just keep that in mind. Moving on to the chalk players, 49ers at Cowboys, over under 51 points. 49ers only three-point underdogs implied for 24 points. Cowboys three-point favorites implied for 27 points. This is going to be the game that people are going to game stack. And it's one of the reasons I like leaning into the early game because people are just going to be waiting to stack this game. Everybody's going to have these players um, in their lineup. Ironically, because of that, like none of these players are going to be mega chalk because they're kind of going to cannibalize each other a little bit. So Dak will be probably toe-for-toe uh, with Mahomes is the most popular quarterback on the slate, maybe more so on FanDuel and on DraftKings. is a little bit more expensive. Um, but especially on FanDuel, I think Dak and Mahomes will definitely be the most popular. And then Lamb, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, who's really expensive on both sides, and George Kittle, they'll all kind of eat into each other's ownership a little bit. But all of these guys will probably fall into that like 30 to 35% range. So yeah. no one's going to be mega chalk, but they're all going to be used quite a bit. Um, I think more so we'll probably see like Amari or CD used in non-game stacks just because they're so affordable um, on, on both sides. Not not super affordable, but they, they do fit into lineups pretty comfortably. So I, I, I kind of hate the chalk in this game, but is there chalk that you like in this game? I do love Dak. Um, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite bets of the week was uh, over on attempts on yeah. Dak because I, I feel like the whatever the perception of the Bucks run defense is, that's mm-hmm. actually the 49ers. Um, they are second yeah. in both EPA yeah. and success rate on the season. They got two dudes, uh, Eric Armstead and DJ Jones, that are top five in uh, run stuff win rate on the season. So, like, we all know Nick Bosa. Um, yep. He's obviously good at both stopping the run and the pass, or, you know, rushing the passer. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, a really tough spot. And we've seen Dallas do this, not to the extremes like we saw in week one, but we saw it in week one against Tampa Bay where they came out and they said, okay, well, we know what Tampa does really well. They almost abandoned the run entirely. We had 58 attempts from Dak in that spot because they knew we have no shot of running into the teeth of their defense. And I I don't know. I haven't seen much from Zeke other than last week's game against all the backups for the Eagles. Uh, He's just been pretty rough. So I just think that they lean really heavily on Dak to be able to move the ball here. And again, the volume is going to make up for a lot of the ownership here. So I do think that that's probably the best chalk in the spot. Some of the ancillary pieces, you know, whether it's the pass catchers on Dallas's side or, you know, anything on the Niners side, I think that they're all a bunch of really good plays. I don't know that I would want to play any of them into massive ownership. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem with like, I I agree with you. I mean, if I'm, I'm I'm super gung ho about this early game. So it's like kind of clouding my judgment on the later games. But, um, you know, if I am playing, a 20 max contest or 150 max contest, obviously you're going to have stacks of this game. You're not just going to ignore it. So I, I agree that I'm leaning way more on the Dallas side. The most likely outcome I think is Dak succeeding with his passing game. Um, it, it feels like the Niners are, are kind of becoming the trendy upset pick this weekend. I, I'm just not into that. I think the Cowboys are actually a very, very good team, and I think they can make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Um, but if, I mean, outside, if you're playing Dak, you're obviously going to be bringing along Lamb and Cooper. I just don't see myself playing Lamb and Cooper a ton if I'm not stacking this game. I, I just think I, I like some of the early players more. But if there's a chalk player I like in this game, it's probably Kittle just because the tight end slate is fantastic. So just from a game theory perspective, getting a 30% Kittle versus a 55% Goddard, I think it's just really hard to pass up. And that goes for all of the, sure. the good tight ends on this slate. Uh, 
I, I think that's a really good way to think about it. So Kittle's probably my favorite chalk play on this slate. Um, you said you don't like the ancillary pass catchers. You're worried about San Francisco's pass rush. So how are you getting unique in this game? Yeah, I mean, thinking about some of the running backs, right? So I think it's really clear if we get the four nets um, and then what's happening in Kansas City with Darrell Williams, those feel like the really clear, obvious chalk plays are running back. Mm-hmm. So maybe we have a spot where uh, I know you're not buying into it, but if it is a Niners game, Elijah yeah. Mitchell, like if he is going to be, you know, he's active, he's the guy. We've kind of yeah. got a couple months of of uh, data points on this. So uh, if he is going, you know, probably in the 20 to 25% range, I think probably, mm-hmm. but again, definitely significantly lower than what I think we see from Daryl yep. and Leonard Fournette. So maybe in a, in a three gamer, he can pop as a little bit of contrarian. And then also you mentioned just kind of a layup as assuming we have to do something with Amari and CD. And I know I don't want to overreact, but like we've seen a pretty big bump in Cedric Wilson in the yeah, slots. I yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not gonna play in two receiver sets, obviously, but they, they're going to, again, if this game plays out, like we were talking about where yeah. the Niners are able to run the ball. Well, before the Cowboys are forced to pass, you're going to see a lot of, you know, three receiver sets. So if yeah. we're going to get a spot where we're going to get maybe 80, 85% route runs from Cedric Wilson uh, at his price. I think he's a nice, nice way to uh, pair with uh, with Dak here. Yeah, um, you you made a ton of points that I want to touch on. I'll start um, going backwards. Cedric Wilson, if you just if you think about how if you are stacking this game, and I think I I don't think you want to use Cedric Wilson as a one off. I think you want to use him in stacks. Agreed. Just think through how you can be unique in this slate. It's not going to be an ancillary 49ers pass catch. Like, obviously, Ayuk, but after that, like, you just aren't going to use anybody super deep on the depth chart. And then on the Cowboys side, I just don't see how you can justify Dalton Schultz. You can't write anybody off on a slate, um, but... Uh, with Jarwin back, um, Schultz hasn't been getting the same usage. And just from, again, going back to the game theory perspective, it's such a strong tight end slate. You're giving up so much equity by playing Schultz compared to the other guys um, as a, a contrarian tight end play that I think it just makes a ton of sense to play Cedric Wilson as the contrarian pass catcher in this game. Uh, staying in the passing game, especially on DraftKings, Jimmy Garoppolo is so cheap compared to the field. If this game does shoot out, like... He doesn't have to go for 303. Like all of there, we have two games that are expected to be blowouts and, and one game that's expected to be a shootout. So if he gives you, you know, 250 and two, he might do just enough to like keep you in the mix if no quarterback goes completely nuclear and you're just saving a ton of salary and giving you a lot of flexibility um, at the position. You talked about. Elijah Mitchell and like you can't again you can't write off any game script in this um, in, on such a short slate. So I. I don't think I'll build around the 49ers winning, but the reason I do like both of the running backs, and, and you mentioned San Francisco's rush defense, it's not because I think any, either of them are going to dominate, but if you're building around a high-scoring game, I think it's really interesting to like go light on the pass games and include the running backs True. because touchdowns are, are, are very high variance, right? So if... if you know, if Zeke gets two or Elijah gets two and it's a it's a 40 to 30 game and everybody's playing the pass game instead, um, you know, you can really gain some ground by including the running backs in your stacks. And then my favorite contrarian way to play this logically, if I'm really leaning into a, a very heavy um, stack in the early games, then I, I think that there is a chance that this game. I don't think it'll be low scoring, but at least hits the under, right? Like if it's if it's 24 to 20 and everybody's stacking this game, it's going to be really hard for those lineups that have seven players from this game to, to do anything. Um, 
the San Francisco offensive line has uh, the low, they've allowed the highest adjusted sack rate of any team on the Sunday slate. The Cowboys have forced the most turnovers uh, in the league. So I really like playing the Cowboys defense and going light in this game. I think that's my favorite contrarian way to approach this game. Yeah. I mean, we know that they're a problem, right? They got, you know, Randy Gregory, they got Lawrence, uh, and you know, Micah Parsons yep. has been incredible. So yeah, they have they have playmakers, and you know, we've seen Jimmy have uh, a lack of pocket awareness at times, be you know prone to turn it over. We know that Diggs is is very happy to jump a routes and to take one back. So yeah, yeah. I mean that flips this this game in a hurry. Uh, and like you said, there are I think kind of some other defenses that are going to garner a lot of ownership. So I think that that makes a ton of sense. I think people don't really approach you know, attacking the Niners with the defense because they expect them to lean so run heavy, right? So we typically yep. want pass heavy teams. So I think that's a really good look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- this is, I love the Sunday slate so much more than the Saturday slate because I just think there's so many ways to approach it. And I think a lot of it is going to come down to how people approach this afternoon yeah. game. So, And there's really just infinite ways to approach it because the game there could be so much scoring um and if it doesn't go off then um you approach that way so what's your most likely way to approach this game yeah i want to be heavy on on deck still um you know maybe i have to wait and see maybe you've talked me into a little bit more jalen hurts so Mm -hmm. um dallas ground game full fade for me i i think that you make a good point that we could definitely run into two zeke touchdowns but like you have to make decisions on slates Mm -hmm. like this too you have to cross guys off the list so zeke is an easy cross off for me uh just because you know pollard is looking back and a little bit more healthy so uh you don't want to run into a strength here so Mm -hmm. a lot of dak and uh you know no no zeke yeah i I don't i don't hate scratching zeke off the list um if we get like really gross weather news Sunday morning, I'll probably pivot to some really heavy Dallas teams, like lean into the the Dallas blowout narrative. Um, yep. I like building around that script a lot. If um, it doesn't look too concerning, I like the Dallas defense, you know, maybe just include, you know, a, a, a Dallas Amari team and then just play the other games. I think that's really interesting. Um, uh, just Dallas defense on their own with no other players in this game, I think is an interesting way to play it. So a lot of it's going to be contingent on that uh, weather in Tampa, in Tampa Bay, but uh, I like leaning into a Dallas win, man. I know they're favorites and, but um, you know, if, if everybody, if the Niners are going to be the trendy upset, I, I like going against it. Yeah. Out of everything this weekend, it's the game. And I definitely cannot wait to watch. I think there are just so many outcomes for it. And I think it kind of sucks for both teams. I think they really both have a chance to actually continue on. Like I, I think that, you know, they could both beat anybody. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that they have to battle in, in the first week kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely um, agree with that. The winner of this game can make a lot of noise for sure. in the NFC tourney final game of the Sunday slate Steelers at chiefs over under is only 46 and a half. This is another one that can have some weather um, should be below freezing, but not a ton of wind. So I, I think it, I don't, I don't think it'll be too big of a deal. Sealers 12 and a half point underdogs projected for just 17 points. Chiefs favorite at home. Implied point total near 30, 29 and a half, the highest on the slate. So with that high point total, 
all of the normal suspects will be chalk in this game. Patrick Mahomes will be the most popular quarterback on the slate. Tyreek Hill will be up there, but he'll you know probably be in that that C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper ownership range. Uh, Kelsey, I, I mentioned him. Gronk and Kittle will all be in that thirtieth thirtyish percent range. Um, you know, depending on how high Goddard gets, um, one of them, depending on your tournament, might fall off to twenty percent. It might be Kelsey that ends up falling to twenty percent just because he's so expensive. Daryl Williams, the best running back value on the slate so he's going to be in every lineup um if if fournette is out williams might be like 80 percent um for sure that um Najee harris will be very popular just because he has the highest touch projection on the slate uh the concern is he could get game scripted out really easily deontay he's the natural bring back so so chief stacks will bring him up and then ton of people are going to use chief defense i think chiefs in tampa bay probably account for about 70 percent of defensive ownership so um all of the chalk on the chief side except for you know people use Najee and Deontay by default what chalk do you like here yeah I mean the Mahomes and and Daryl stuff is is so easy um yeah the Chiefs defense is kind of my favorites because you know dude, the Big Ben thing is like I don't know I'm old enough I remember good Big Ben but it has been a very long time and it does not resemble anything that we see now and like they have the Worse, they're dead last in, in pass block win rate. But he also leads the league, so it kind of like masks it when you look at some like the raw like, sacks and pressure rate yeah. stuff because he gets the ball. Like it's like a hot potato. The dude wants to get rid of it <laughs> as soon as he touches it. He like get yeah. it out of my hands. It takes all any ceiling that any of these dudes have. Like Claypool is just neutered. Like we we can't see any of what he can actually do. Deontay, mm-hmm. I think, is more talented than how he's currently used, but yep. just you know in this iteration of the offense it's really really abysmal so i'm okay with even as a one-off if i wanted to kind of do where you were talking about last game with dallas and kind of skip a lot of this other stuff in the game i think the chiefs defense is a nice one-off play but again you can't multi-entry you know even three max and not have some home stuff too like he has torched this team in the two times they played like 10 and a half yards per attempt or something like that like so wheels up last time they didn't even have kelsey in that game and they he destroyed him so yeah, I mean, you if again, if you're playing a bunch of lineups, obviously um, onslaughting the Chiefs is very much in play with the highest in play point total and everything that you said and pretty much any combination of those four, even jamming in all four, I think is viable. Um, but if you're playing like single entry or, or you're looking for a spot to be overweight, you have to take stands on mm. these slates. I, I just feel like with the Chiefs being so much better with the Steelers and the Steelers running such a slow pace and their offense being so bad and Ben Roethlisberger just adding no deep value, I, I re- Steelers games have only hit the over five times this year. That doesn't mean Chiefs can't hit their 30 points and just win 30 to zero. That's definitely popular uh, possible. But I think there's a really high likelihood that the Chiefs defense plays extremely well. And they could just win like a 20 to three type game. And if that happens, I mean, obviously they still cover, um, but there's just not going to be a, a fantasy winner in that type of scenario. So I kind of like leaning into that game script. Uh, uh, just, you know, get Pittsburgh out of town, um, take care of them easily, but you know, you don't need to, you're not going to need to score 50 points to beat them. So I think Daryl Williams and the chiefs defense are, are my favorite chalk in this game. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point. So, like, we, we saw Tyreek. He's been limited the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you know, kind of tweaked to heel last week in, in pregame yeah. warm-ups. Um, didn't play much the first time these two teams met, even though Kelsey was out of the lineup. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you don't want to get in a spot where you are taking something for granted in the playoffs. But, like, 
they very much could just steamroll them without much from Kelsey or Tyreek here. For so sure. like in this spot where there are two other scenarios where we other games where there are opportunities for the opposition to push the opponent that we're looking to, to manage the ownership with, right. Where like the Dallas side and then knowing what can happen with the, the Tampa Bay side. Like I don't think the Steelers have the ability to push the chiefs to a spot where it might not be able to justify ownership here. So I don't know. The Najee stuff makes me nervous, dude. Like he, he left last game, right? He hurt his elbow, came back, played the second half. He did not carry the ball in his right hand the entire second half. So, like, oh. I think he's probably good enough to play. But, like, do I want to use him in a spot where, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the Steelers team total under 17 as, like, a really nice bet. Uh, they just don't have – they needed a couple late garbage field goals to hang a 10 last time they were in Arrowhead. So, like, this, there's just nothing here on the Steelers side that makes me interested at all. Yeah, I mean, on a three-game slate, Najee is scary to fade just because he's going to get 90% of the backfield work, but um, I just don't see how, like, he has a, a big game. And then, like, from that that potential game flow scenario, like, if the first two touchdowns go to, like, Byron Pringle and Jarek McKinnon or something crazy like that, and, and their defense is just rolling, like, all of a sudden, like, just there's no way... Tyreek or, or Kelsey are having ceiling games in that and, no. or even or even um, or even Daryl Williams, even though, I, you know, I think he's more likely. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of scenarios where the Chiefs just win it, you know, 21 to three or something. So I, I, I agree with you there. Um, what, even the what, Williams stuff has a little bit of holes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like he's dealing with a yeah. little with a toe injury. We don't want running backs with toe injuries. Yeah, We saw that in the game that they played last time where Derek Gore mixed in like 12 carries, uh, three targets, like a big play, like a 50-yard uh, screen pass too. So like, I don't know, like I, I don't think that they're, again, I, you know, we don't want to take for granted a scenario where it's a playoff game, but like they could very well, if they're worried about CEH in the next round with his shoulder, they might need to manage Daryl a little bit here. And they're, yeah. they've shown the ability to go to Gore. So like, I know that Daryl is, he, like on DraftKings, he's $5,500. If this stays even somewhat close with his pass game work, you have to play him. Uh, Fournette's out. Like it's gonna be so hard. I need. To avoid I was it. just gonna say I need Fournette to play so bad. He's gonna yeah. ruin everything for me. I need Fournette to play. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It's not super sexy, but like Gore and Chiefs defense. Like Ooh. you're holding your breath for like a first half, but in you know, the second <laughs> half, it's like Patrick Taylor last week. You know, you just hey, you never. You, gotta, know. you have to do something crazy again. Going back to like what we talked about to separate on these slates, um, it, it might take a play like that. So I mean, outside of that, how are how do you like getting contrarian in this game? Yeah, full fade of you know anything that has to do with the the Steelers and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean Gore is kind of the the look. Um, mm-hmm. Thirteen and a half DraftKings points last time they played. Again, just I think even if uh, we get glowing reports from Daryl, I think we see Gore at least mixed in a little bit, right? And if he breaks one, uh, you know Yahtzee at four K on DraftKings, like we're we're probably doing okay again. And I don't think there's a ton of opportunity cost at the running back position in the slate. And that matters too, right? We're not, yep. even in the first slate, I think there's a little bit more with all four teams having a mm-hmm. back that I think is pretty viable. Not so much here. I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, kind of doing what I'm doing with, with Zeke and crossing Najee off the list and kind of banking on maybe that there's something going on there with the elbow and, you know, hoping that it's just kind of a Steelers dud and I can kind of back into, you know, some sort of Mahomes well, fade and, and Gore gets there late. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're printing early. We're celebrating with our, our Jalen Hurts teams when uh, when Pringle catches that first touchdown. 
Yeah, um, I mean, my favorite contrarian, I mean, I keep talking about that early game. My favorite contrarian take on this this game is like maybe just playing Chiefs defense by themselves, maybe one pass catcher. Like Chiefs defense with, with Kelsey I think is very good. But if you're going to onslaught the Chiefs, um, I, I think playing a triple with Mahomes fading Daryl and including Pringle is a good way to be uh, unique because we've seen Pringle like get targets and get touchdowns with Tyreek and Kelsey both on the field or exclude Tyreek from your stacks and replace him with Hardman because Hardman's going to succeed without Tyreek. So if Tyreek is limited or they score early and decide, um, you know, Tyreek only needs to play half the snaps, that's how Hardman succeeds. And then bringing it back, like, I I guess you could bring it back with Ray Ray if you want. I don't love it. But if you're just, if you're going to go crazy heavy on this game and want, like, say you don't want to include one of the ancillary pass catchers, say you want to go, a double with Tyreek and Kelsey, bring it back with Ray Ray and McLeod instead of Deontay. Ray Ray McLeod saw 20% target share in the last two games. Again, you're getting those five yard dink and dunks from Big Ben, which is why I'm not on on Claypool instead. But um, you know, I, I guess I, I guess on DraftKings you can make the case for Ray Ray. Yep. Yeah, I'm probably just trying to be underweight on the Chiefs passing game yeah. and hope that it doesn't burn me. me. Like you said, we we just. We get uh, a running back touchdown or we get, you know, some sort of, you know, a block punt. We get something that kind of turns and kind of just takes the air out of the, you know, the double stack that uh, I think is going to be pretty popular. Yeah. So let's um, let's wrap up this Sunday slate um, three games. And, and there's lots of ways to approach this. How were you? Uh, let's say you got one single entry bullet. How are you building? Uh, I'll probably be able to a DAC team DAC with. Um, you know, I would include Cedric Wilson in that yeah. just to get a little bit off of the CD and Amari stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, try to get maybe cute at running back in the second slate where yeah. we're talking about Miles Sanders is a, is a great, you know, high leverage, you know, high ceiling play. Um, and again, trying, like you said, go contrarian a little bit early, I think is a, was a great, great call by you because like you said, it, that information is priceless. Yeah. And you try to go off the board a little bit, knowing that we're going to be running into a lot of chalk in the last two games. They are yeah. going to be way more popular. Uh, if you nail that stuff early, you are sitting really nice to be able to leverage the late swap opportunities to really maximize what you want to do with the lineup. So I think that is a great, great call and probably the best way to handle this one. Yeah, I think my favorite way to approach, again, if I have one bullet to go <clears throat> on Sunday, um, I like a, a very heavy early stack. Um with uh, Jalen Hurts, if Philly keeps it close, I think that game could be very high scoring. Even with the weather, I think both running backs can succeed together. I think you could get away. Like if you want to play Chalky Goddard, I think you can get away with Hurts, um, Miles Sanders, Goddard, and Fournette, and include at least one Tampa Bay pass catcher. Like that game can hit that perfect, I, I think. So playing that sprinkling in Dallas and San Francisco players I like, and then maybe just playing Chiefs defense and, and hoping that that trend of Pittsburgh games just being really slow and really low scoring holds. Uh, I, I just love that. I mean, the thing that sucks about it is you're going to have to hit and hold like you're going to need to be up on the field and hope nobody catches you. Yep. Um, but hey, it is what it is. Obviously, you're going to be paying attention to late swap. I'm going to probably try to leave five or $600 on the table depending on how my late swaps are available. Um, but but I, you know, I'm 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 comfortable um, just fading that late game and hoping that a really good score hits perfectly for me. Love it. Yeah, I think it is a unique way to approach it because, like you said, those last two games are definitely going to be where everyone's going. 
Yeah. Um, well, that does it for the wild card round. We have content up on the site for uh, both of these slates. Everything we just discussed is in written form. We also have content up for every single showdown slate this weekend. Ryan will be rocking the Discord for all of your betting needs, so make sure you check that out. If you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you are subscribed to the 444 YouTube channel and check out the audio version on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you're listening on the podcast platform, come check out the YouTube. Please rate and review on iTunes. And if you're on YouTube, please like and make sure you're subscribed. Like I mentioned, the rest of the season price down to $24 for the DFS subscription, $44 for betting. Um, again, going through Super Bowl for DFS betting. It's not stopping because we got all the sports. So make sure you're over there and make sure you're following all of us on Twitter. 444 is at 444 football. Ryan is at Ryan Noonan. TJ's at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys next week.